0: Has the story of your love life taken an unexpected plot twist? Well, this is the podcast that helps millennials rewrite the story of their love life by learning simple strategies for starting and maintaining a healthy relationship. Through candid and unscripted conversations, we provide tools to help navigate the twists and turns of dating and relationships. Are you ready to flip the script on your love life? If so, sit back, get comfortable, and enjoy another episode of the Love Unscripted Podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Love Unscripted Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Wilson. And this is the podcast where we have unscripted conversations with millennials about relationships and dating so i hope all of you are getting a great start to your week hopefully you took some time to rest relax and recharge yourself before you get into another busy week so i just want to take a moment to really highlight our last episode and if you missed it or you missed a good one we were joined by dr purvis taylor where we talked about how men can be more emotionally intelligent. Now we know the stigma about how men are not necessarily good or know how to share their emotions, but Dr. Taylor showed us and gave us really practical tools on how men can start to learn more about their emotions, but more importantly, how to express them. And he taught us how to be able to use them in our personal and professional life. So if you have a brother, an uncle, a pops, a boyfriend, a husband that you want to be a little more knowledgeable when it comes to emotional intelligence, go ahead and share that episode with them. You can even pause this one. Go ahead and listen to that one. I'm not going to be upset, but make sure you come back to this one because we got another great, dope conversation. So I just want to say once again, thank you for everyone. We're almost midway through the year, and I'm just really enjoying all of the conversations that we're having. We are having, listen, meaningful conversations about relationships. We're cutting through the fluff. We're cutting through the mess. We're not trying to get into all the gender war talks, but we're trying to really learn and grow. I don't know about you, but I actually want healthy and successful relationships in my life. So what better way to do that than to talk with other people, get some tools, and then start applying them. Y'all know I'm really big on introspection, so this episode is going to be no different. And I have a great guest. I'm super pumped. I'm super excited to be able to have him joining us this week. Let me go ahead and get them in here. Hey. All right. So go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Hey, everybody. I'm Dr. Anthony, uh, the therapy doc on Instagram. Uh, me and Joe, we know each other. How long have we known each other,
0: Joe? <laughs> A minute. We yeah. we, we didn't become. We weren't COVID friends. We knew each other before COVID. <laughs>
1: right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm also a Nashville, a psychiatry resident, uh, and I'm glad to be here today.
0: Oh, I'm super excited because I think the topic we're gonna have today, I think, needs to be had with professionals. But before we jump into that, too quick, I want to ask you this first question. I've been asking all of our guests each week on the show so we know life is all about this hustle and bustle grinding culture we're always moving um we're always trying to accomplish and go to the next goal but there is a need for us to be able to rest relax and recharge so doc what do you do when you need to get away from the world when you need to disconnect and to recharge your own personal battery so in other words what do you do for self-care
1: yeah uh so me personally i do a lot of things uh probably top of my list i watch anime um never really kicked the habit so I watch anime um i draw i do art a lot uh i've also uh, done things like floating if you've ever heard of that sensory deprivation um, i found that to like be very calming and relaxing um and allows me to be able to really just have like time and space to myself and my own thoughts. Uh, and then I also go to therapy regularly, uh, especially when things get kind of heavy. And I found that to be very helpful for me.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody else is into the arts like I am, but painting is my thing now. Like it's yeah. really my thing, but it's really my thing. I don't know what it is. Like what I like to do is like Get my I have an art table that has paint all over it but I love to listen to old school R b and mm-hmm. just hey I just in my own world it's so relaxing especially after serving clients all week sometimes I don't want to think about nothing sometimes I want to do something that doesn't have anything to do with nothing and, and just really get lost in the artistry and that I've heard of the floating that that's something I want to do but I'm a little scared oh, like, will I sing'
1: amazing
0: <laughs>
1: it's amazing' Not you don't float it's like you you heard of the uh the dead sea how like there's so much salt in it that you you can't sink it's it's exactly like that and that's how it feels it's like like when i'm in there i kind of imagine that that's probably how it feels floating in space and you know even sometimes you're in a tank sometimes you're in in a pod um I thought maybe it could be claustrophobic, but for me, when I'm inside, kind of lose uh, your sense of, of space. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't feel like you're in a small space at all, at least not to me. Um,
0: so literally just floating. See, I'm going to I'm gonna have to really go and do my research and I'll let you know how I go. I'll let you know how it goes. But oh, the, yeah. second, the second question What comes to mind when you hear the word love?
1: Man. Uh, So from my background as a Christian, I guess I would say God. God is love. Um, And so I think love is probably um, like the the ultimate expression and manifestation of like our care and compassion for somebody. I think love is also a principle. So it's not just a feeling. Um, It's something that you know, we live off of on, um, I think that the universe operates off of love. I think, you know, from the plants, the animals, you know, I think that just universe in general, different concepts operate off of this idea of of love and, and giving and receiving and kind of that exchange of energy. So for me, that's what love is. And I think also I'm still learning what love is or like learning the full meaning of love.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those concepts that I think is going to take a lifetime to even partially understand. I don't think I'll ever fully grasp it because as, as soon as I feel like I'm getting to a level where like, OK, I get this. And then life flips and then it turns and shows you something new. It shows a new aspect, especially like if you think about how we go through life like we are children. We have a certain way that we love. Then, as young adults, we have a certain way we love. Then, as full blown adults, we have love that is displayed and showed and experienced in different ways. So it's always changing. And so thank you for sharing that. I just want people to be able to have other perspectives on what love is. Because I think what a lot of people are realizing is not just the fuzzy feelings. It's not just black and white. (laughs) (laughs) It is, and it doesn't just get better because you have a wedding ceremony. That's the Mm -hmm. other thing. Like they think, okay, I'm in love. I found the one. Now we get married, and now it's just supposed to skyrocket. But love is an experience. There's so many aspects of it to unravel and to be able to discover with your person. Yeah. yeah. You really
1: know that you love somebody when you feel bad. Like it's it's easy, like you said, to feel good and have the butterflies. But when you feel bad and like you going through it and, you know, you still want to take care of this person or you still want to look out for this person. That's how you really know you love somebody. You know what I'm saying? I think a lot of people, they start to experience or understand that more when they have kids, because it's like, you know, your kids will make you upset but you still want to take care of them you know you still want them to be happy and um they experience life and whatnot so yeah i think right. <laughs> we learned a little bit more every day
0: and i think that literally is the perfect segue into what we're going to be discussing today and it's this idea of mental health and relationships there's a, a wedding vow that many people recite and confess to the world before God and man but, but before their friends and family between onlookers and the nosy people. And the vow is in sickness and in health. A lot of times people tend to think that this sickness is just maybe physical. Maybe someone has a heart attack, maybe someone gets in a car accident, maybe someone develop some unforeseen disease, or even going on vacation. I've heard of people coming back and having infections. And uh, one of the shows that always creeps me out is The Monster Inside Me. Like there's all types of sicknesses we can experience physically. Mm -hmm. But there's one sickness or one area of illness that I think doesn't get talked about, and that's mental illness when it comes to relationships. So first and foremost, How do you think mental health influences or impacts our romantic relationships?
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, it's funny that you that um, you said what you said, because um, I absolutely agree with you. We often tend to uh, focus on the physical aspects or like physical disease or that's what comes to mind when when we say those vows. But, you know the reality is that something like depression is the number one cause of disability worldwide. And I don't think that we give enough credence to mental health in general, um, and its relation to our overall health. And I don't think that we really understand um, how much our physical health is actually dependent on our mental health um, to the point where I, I don't know that we can really, separate them the way that we we have been. Uh, we tend to separate them like a black and white thing. Um but really I think that, you know, there's probably a lot of a lot of gray in there when, you know, we think about how our mental health and our physical health uh interact. Um but specifically um as it relates to our relationships, you know, mental health can have a significant impact. Um When you are mentally healthy, um, you're able to show up in your relationship, um, you're able to communicate effectively, uh, you're able to show empathy, and usually you're able to handle conflicts in uh, a constructive manner. But on the other side, when you are having mental um, health issues, uh, they can definitely cause a huge strain on your relationship. Um, Something like depression, can cause you to be withdrawn um, and isolated, um, and that can make it difficult for you to talk to your partner, your relationship, or something like anxiety can lead you to um, have a lot of worries, whether it's about you know, your relationship or things that are intricate to a relationship like finances and whatnot, and things like that can start leading to conflict. So um, you know, on one hand, when you are mentally healthy, uh, it can definitely improve your relationship, but when you're not, it can definitely um, deplete, you know, deplete the relationship and deplete, you know, those emotions and positive feelings that we have uh, regarding our relationships.
0: Oh, absolutely! It it our mental wellness is part of who we are. It's how we show up. It it impacts how we express love, care, affection adoration for our partner. It impacts that. And I don't think people people tend to see how mental health impacts people at work, um, in their daily life, as far as maybe not wanting to get out and do some of the things they normally would. Or we see the crisis situations where people are having mental breakdowns. But not too much is discussed about When we're in relationship with someone and they are having mental health challenges, that doesn't get talked about often enough, nor does it get highlighted. And I can understand why. Not nobody's signing up to talk about their relationship or their mental health troubles in their relationship and how it's impacting. them. For one, that's not sexy and nobody's going to hit like if you put that on Instagram. It's not going to get I mean, it's not going to get a lot of views if you put it on YouTube. So yeah. a lot of people don't openly talk and share. And for those of us who are in the clinical space, I see it a lot. It, it's it's hard to, like you said, separate mental health from who we are, our physical well-being, and how it influences how we do relationships. So here's the question. The next question I have: Let's say someone does have some type of does have some type of mental health illness, mental health challenge. Should mm-hmm. they get in relationships? Is it okay for them to date, or do they need to sit out on the sideline?
1: <laughs> right, take the bench. No, um, so I don't think that having a mental health uh, condition or a mental health challenge disqualifies you from being in a relationship. I think that it's possible to have, um, fulfilling relationships, uh, romantic. And otherwise, Uh, I think the important part is, uh, one, actually um, addressing your mental health challenges. So that means um, doing what you need to do via like therapy, medication, uh, self-care, a combination of those to uh, try to stay as mentally healthy as possible. And then the other part is communication with your partner. Um, so, or your potential partner. So, you definitely uh, should communicate uh, any uh, challenges that you experience, and like open up the uh, the floor for that conversation with your partner or somebody that you know you're pursuing a relationship with.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I often tell people, like having a mental illness is not a death sentence. Going through a period of time where your mental health is not all the way there or where you would like for it to be does not mean life has to all of a sudden stop. What it does mean, though, is, like you said, we need to get assistance, support so that we can be the best version of ourselves. I use the illustration like if you let's say you broke your foot, that doesn't mean you have to stop life. It just means that there are certain aspects of life you can't just go full speed ahead in. Like you're not going to get out here and try to run no marathon, but you can be outside and be present with someone that you're talking to. It doesn't mean you have to stay inside because you can't do every single thing there is to do in the in the world. So just taking it slow and taking care of yourself and communicating. You said the key communicating, letting people know where you're at so that people can also have a chance to make a decision on how they want to either engage with you, continue in the relationship, or support you. That's another thing I think people don't realize is that by communicating, you can get some support. I think we forfeit a lot of good opportunities and interaction with people because we're scared of what they may think if we say. If we we let them in and say what's going on, in our head, we sometimes go down the worst path of, oh, they're going to judge me they're going to not want to go on a second day. They're not going to go third day. They they want to end it. In reality, some people are actually more understanding than we give them credit for. Yeah. So so something I want to also highlight, this has been really good. So let's say you're dating somebody, you're in a relationship, you're married, There you, you have a partner. And let's say you find out that along the course, that they do have some type of mental illness that was unforeseen. Mm -hmm. There are many instances where uh, different types of mental illnesses can onset later on in life. So the question is, how can someone process the news that their partner or potential partner has some type of mental health challenge? Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, And that can be a lot. Um, I think part of the Issues that in general, there's a lot of stigma connected to mental health issues. But honestly, I'd say 100% of people deal with like a mental health challenge or issue at some point in their life. Uh, so, one, the more that we talk about it, the more we break down the stigma and the more we make it easier to talk about. And, you know, the easier we make it to actually handle some of these challenges that may arise. Um, as a partner of someone who may be a mental health challenge, I think number one, the most important part is to try to be understanding and, and empathetic um, because you have to understand, because like I just said of the stigma, um, embarrassment, whatnot, it may not be easy for your partner to, to share that information with you. Um, there may be a lot of shame associated with it. Um, but then when they do share with you, um, you know, take the time to provide support and empathy, um, educate yourself about, you know, what they may be experiencing. So that can mean, you know, um, reading up on something um, online or wherever you can get information from. Also taking the time to uh, speak to a mental health professional about what your partner uh, may be doing. Um, but it's also important to make sure that you're um, taking time to take care of yourself and provide yourself uh, with with self-care, um, whether it's, you know, physical health or, or mental health. A lot of times uh, partners that are providing support or care, even caregivers, they can experience um, kind of like a burnout, emotional burnout empathy burnout. There was a lot of empathy burnout, you know, that occurred during and following COVID. Um, so you have to take time to actually take care of yourself and make sure that um, you're replenishing, you know, your, your own spirit, and whatnot. So uh, find out what it is that makes you happy, whether that's hobbies, um, do things that help you relax so that you can be supportive of your partner.
0: Mm-hmm. good stuff and extra emphasis on I want to say on slowing down. A lot of times when we get news, there's a uh, I think it's the the anxiousness to to try to do, help, fix, do fix something, F- exactly, fix it. And one of the things I tell a lot of people when they learn that their partner has some type of mental health challenges, go home and sit with it. like go home and sit with it. Don't don't make any decisions on what next steps are. Process and hear and think about what you just heard. Because there's a lot that goes through people's mind. And like you said, that fatigue that happens from overthinking. Take time to pause for a little bit and, and, and kind of grasp what's going on so that you can be able to support. So there are a lot of people that once they find out that their partner, they, they, they've been able to get. Let's say, let's say they started reading up, they've started um, coming to a place where now they're ready to move forward and ready to help. But for a lot of people, they get kind of stuck. They may be a little bit fearful and they may get caught in the place of feeling like they want to support, but don't know how. How do yeah. people like get unstuck from that? What do they do with that feeling of wanting to help, but not knowing how?
1: Yeah. So like I said before, um, it can definitely be helpful to talk to um, a mental health professional um, that deals with these things to get a better understanding. Um, It's definitely helpful to communicate, like we've been saying, talking to your partner um, about their needs, um, talking to your partner about what they're experiencing. Um, But also, I think it's very important to set boundaries. with your partner for yourself, um, so that you are actually giving yourself time um, and the space to like take in the information because you know it's very hard to take in and accept things overnight. Even over like you know a space of time, a lot of times we need an extended amount of time to like really like wrap our minds around something um, and then come to a point of. Accepting, um and so I think definitely, you know boundaries is is key because like you said, a lot of times we we can jump into this role of wanting to to fix it, and we're not ready to fix it like we're not prepared, we're not equipped um, and we haven't set boundaries for ourselves and even like approaching what it is, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's that's really good. And the boundaries, we don't necessarily think that uh, that's something that's needed with this instance. We think that we have to lean all in. And I'm telling you, it's 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 the anxiousness when we don't know what to do or know how someone's going to react or respond while also wanting to be of help and support. That creates a lot of internal tension. I want people to understand that there's some internal there's an internal experience that happens as you're trying to help care and provide for somebody else. And we can't neglect the fact that there does have to be some type of line where it's, it's, it's a boundary that's for protection. Let's right. say that It's to protect them and you, they will still need their own space and time to be able to work through whatever it is they may need to work through. And you as their support have to set that boundary of not getting that uh, empathy, fatigue, and being able to still be the best version of yourself. And when you both are able to have that healthy boundary, you can still walk alongside each other. Right. You can still live life in a way that is fulfilling and not dominated by the diagnoses, that's not dominated by the symptoms, mm-hmm. that's not dominated by the fear that we often have when we see our partner struggling with something.
1: Yeah. And two, you know, at the end of the day, your partner um, who is experiencing, you know, those challenges, they do have a responsibility to, you know, seek care. Sometimes it's definitely harder, and that is why, you know, you're there to be a support, but um, understand that that's just what it is. It's being a support, but it's up to them to actually, you know, I don't know if initiative is the right word, but, you know, it is up. To them, to like be at the forefront, um, because at the end of the day, they are ultimately responsible for their health, um, you know, physical and mental. So, you know, you just have to you have to keep that in mind.
0: No, that's that's very true. Because think about with let's think about physical ill physical like illnesses or sicknesses. Your partner can actually do something to make you feel better where on the mental health side, there's still a lot of it that even if your partner supports, it's still on the other person to go through the treatment, to do the interventions, to stay consistent with whatever it is they need to do so that they can be mentally well. So you've mentioned a couple of times that people should seek out and consult professionals. I know in, in the black community, mental health is highly stigmatized and at the same time I still see that there's a desire for people who want therapists, psychiatrists, counselors who look like them. But there's a challenge. It doesn't seem like there's too many of us. Can you explain why there's such a small number of black mental health professionals? Could you speak to that?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that um that disparity kind of speaks to the disparity that exists like throughout healthcare in general um, for Black providers. Um, I know in psychiatry, I think Black people represent something like 3 to 5% of uh, all um, psychiatric uh, providers. Um, and I know in psychology is probably a similar statistic. Um, I think. One of the issues has definitely been the stigma. Um, so previously, um these fields are are not fields that were looked at as, you know, fields that we should really be going into, because, you know, the way that we looked at mental health was not was not a very dignified way. So, like, I know when I was initially, Um, starting medical school, psychiatry was not on on my radar because my impression of what psychiatry was and what, you know, mental health services were, was not actually true to reality, to what it actually is. Um, I think the other reason for it is our relationship, Black people's relationship with uh, mental health in general in the country. So, a uh, very racist um, history or, you know, definitely not, not a positive history when it comes to um, how we've been uh, treated uh, in the mental health field, um, whether that's by the founder of psychiatry himself or, or even, you know, how schizophrenia came to be, like, one of those diagnoses that, you know, previously uh we never received until you know we started protesting for civil rights and things like that so um you know there's there's a lot of trauma that you know as a community that we have to work through uh, when it comes to the mental health field for sure
0: mm-hmm. and i just want to say like <laughs> the black therapists counselors psychiatrists we're not hiding there's just not many of us. Yeah, that it's literally few in number. It's literally like, especially Black males, even in the counseling field, are less than one percent. Me, as a marriage and family therapist, we're the smallest group of all the counseling concentrations, <laughs> and I'm one of them. The only I only know like maybe four Black marriage and family therapists, and guess what? One of them's my therapist. <laughs> One of them is mine. So it's, it's so small that um, it seems like there's not enough support and help out there. But I would like to say, just be diligent in your search. There are people out there. It yeah. may take a little bit more effort, a little more combing through. Hey, we need to get back to word of mouth. That's a mm-hmm. part of breaking the stigma. Like, hey, I know this, uh, this counselor that really helped me get through dot, dot, dot. Spread it along. And I think once we're able to break that stigma of saying, hey, I go to therapy. Here's someone you can go to. Now those words can spread. A lot of the information is staying with only a few amount of people, because if I tell you if if I tell you that I'm going to therapy and you view me as someone who has it all together, now I'm worried. And I won't say, but that's a great resource that you have because you're starting to get better. You're working through your trauma, your anxiety your depression. Someone else needs to as well. So try not to hoard that uh information (laughs) love absolutely so yo i've really enjoyed this conversation we're gonna go ahead and transition in it into our last segment of the show which is flip the script and that's where our guest provides a simple tool or strategy for how to deal with a specific challenge or situation that we dealt with in this episode so you ready for your question i'm ready so someone may be out there listening and say yo i'm in the midst of this right now like I just found out that my partner has a mental health challenge and I want to support them. I want to be there. I'm not going to throw them to the wayside. I'm here. I'm in it to win it. But what would be where would be some places where people can read and become more informed about mental health? Period.
1: Yeah, definitely. So there are a lot of resources out there. Um, Definitely uh, a few. One is uh, the National Alliance on Mental Health. Um, they have a website online. A lot of great information. Um, another resource, Mental Health America. It's a lot of great information on there. Uh, government resource, uh, 100% free the National Institute of Mental Health. Um, and then specifically for like people of color, black individuals, um, there are some organizations out there. I know we've probably heard them before. There's therapy for black girls. Uh, Taraji Henson started a foundation uh, called the B. Henson Foundation I believe Um, there's some uh, resources for men I think it's one therapy for black men Um, black men do therapy so there's me (laughs) on Instagram the therapy doc Uh, I also have a website uh, thetherapydoc.com so um, there are resources out there and uh, they're increasing so yeah, just start there and then, you know, hopefully you'll be able to find out what you need. That'll be a springboard.
0: Yeah. There you guys have it. And I thank you so much for joining us this week.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Please let everybody know where they can find you on social media, internet. You kind of listen. Could you listen one more time.
1: Okay, one more time. So I'm on all of the social medias at the therapy doc. Um, my website is also thetherapydoc.com. Um, if you send me a message, DM, I usually respond back. Uh, don't be sending me nothing crazy, but, you know, if you have a question, uh, like I'll talk to you. Not medical advice, but, you know, um, <laughs> I will, you know, try to help however I can.
0: Right. No free consultations in the DM. But I'll have all this information down in the show notes. And I'll also put a links for all of the resources that he mentioned that you can go and check out so you can read up on mental health and support your partner. So I just want to say thank you, everyone who listened today. Please head on over to itunes google play spotify stitcher podcast comment rate subscribe if you're a podcast land go ahead and head on over to youtube at love unscripted hd where you can see the full video episode full video for this episode and like i always say we may not have all the answers <laughs> hold on i'm up, i'm messing my tagline and i don't
1: <laughs> one take only
0: i know i, I don't record anything We may not have all the answers, but we will have the conversation. I'll see y'all next week. Peace. See ya.